Doesn't that music just make you want to dance and say hey to somebody? Well, good morning. My name is Rick. I'm one of the uh, ministers, one of the pastors here at First City Church, and I'm so grateful that you are here. Today, we are in the second week in this lesson series for the holiday season called Wrapped in the Spirit. And I love what Taryn shared about all these ideas that we have for you. It's going to be so much fun. Uh, And it starts this Thursday, and it's going to be the 12 days before Christmas. And every day, if you didn't catch what he said, we want you to wrap something. Now, W stands for we, and and as you you watch these little kids on video, which is so much fun, they're, they're going to give you three things. The R... You know, uh, and, and the A and the P. So every day are, we want you to read something out of the scriptures. So we have a section of scripture we want you to read, and they're going to give you what it is. And so that way, it just adds to your daily Bible reading about the theme. The A stands for act on something. We're going to give you ideas of things that you can go and do for somebody else, a neighbor. And they're mostly all just free things. Just stuff that you can just go and just share your spirit your life, your love, your kindness with, with someone else, your joy. And then P, pray. Every day there's something for which we want you to pray. And so today's message, uh, which is talking about uh, give more, really starts with all of this stuff. And so we just want to give you some ideas of some things that you and your families can do. So we want you to get together as a family, go to our social media stuff and look at so what is it for today. And you watch the video together and then decide as a family, man, what are we going to do? You know, today to demonstrate that, read the scripture together, pray together, and then decide, so what neighbor are we going to knock on their door and say, Merry Christmas, we just want you to have a good, or whatever it is that you're going to go do. And so I uh, want to invite you into all of that. Now, uh, we talked about this, uh, this, this Advent conspiracy where we're trying to take back Christmas. There are a lot of churches around our country today Talking about these four ideas, spend less, give more, love all, and worship fully. And so last week we talked about spend less because it's so easy for us just to become consumers this time of the year and and spend all of our money just buying for each other instead of the real spirit of what Christmas is intended to be, which is shining the light of Jesus into all of the world. And so how can we be very intentional about everything we do this year, this Christmas, this holiday season to reflect the glory of God and to shine a light on our Savior, Jesus Christ. And so we said last week, and you can go online and listen to it, instead of just spending all of our money on ourselves, you know, buying good gifts probably, what if we were to spend less on ourselves and create some margin so that we can give more to other people. And we talked about how just over the Thanksgiving weekend, the two days of Thursday and Friday uh, of Thanksgiving, we America spent twice the amount of money, $57 billion, twice the amount that it would have taken to provide clean water for everyone all over the world. And so what if we would have just taken the money we spent that weekend, half of it, and just said we would rather give that so that everybody has access to to good, clean, fresh water all over the world. We would have made a difference in the world. Amen? So what if we're just, what, how can we, we can't do everything, we can't save the world, there is a savior of the world, it's not us, but we are, 
We are witnesses. We are believers. So what can we do? So spend less. Today, we're talking about give more. Now, what do we mean by give more? How do you, you just finished talking about spend less. Actually, I thought, you know, I didn't need, I didn't get one negative email this past week over the message. And I really thought that I would have. I mean, I really thought that I would have at least one six-year-old who would send me an email, say, how dare you tell my parents to spend less money on me? I'm just, you know, but I didn't. No six, Johnny did not send me a nasty email telling me to make sure his parents, you know, buy for him. So, so that was fantastic. But what do we mean by give more? How do we give more? And so... What, I'm, what I really want to talk about is, it's, I think there are really, really good gifts. An iPad Touch. I was talking about this this morning. And I said, man, an iPad Touch is a good gift. Tobin said, an iPad Touch is a fantastic gift. So maybe he wants one of you to buy him an iPad Touch. Oh, I think he actually has one. But he's like, that's a fantastic gift. It's a good, really good gift. You know, the guys, that bracelet, you know, that your wife thinks would just look so good on her arm that she has already picked out and copied for you and told you, okay, that's what I want for Christmas. That's a really, really good gift. Or one of those throw blankets that just keeps you warm, you know, on a cool night. Or what young person does not like, hey, I just need some money. Can you just put some money in my socket? All these are really, really good gifts. But this is what I want to talk to you about today. I believe that we were put here on earth to give better gifts. Gifts that, that matter eternally. And so everything I talk to you about today is all in, in reference and in light of the gift that God gave the world, the gift of Jesus, how that gift impacted our lives eternally. And how can we plug in to giving gifts that matter. I bet if I were to ask you last year, what were your three favorite gifts? Because gifts are so, you know what? I mean, at the time they're so urgent. Oh, I need it. I need it. I need it. I want it. I want it. I got to have it. I got to have it. But you know, now a year later, that video game that you stood in line for all night so that you could get the next morning, you know, has probably been collecting dust the last four months. And now you're ready to get the brand new one that's coming out. That's much more better. Right? Mo better. Mo better. And so it's just, it's fleeting. Good, good. And, and now, I know I could ask the guys, and we're like, hey, what did I get last year? Or we could ask the children, and they're like, oh, I don't care what I want this year, though. It's all really, really want it. Now, I could ask the women, and they could tell you every single gift because they went out and bought all of them. Right? And so they probably can remember everybody's gifts. But what I want us to do is talk about how do we give better gifts. And so let's look at these four things, get the outline out if you want to take some notes. Number one, a great gift changes lives. A great gift changes lives. iPad touch and bracelets and throw blankets, all those things are so, they're good. They're so good. But a great gift changes lives. Turn in your Bibles to John chapter 1. Or open up your phones, just turn the ringer off. But John chapter 1, get the Word of God in front of you. One of the things that I really want to do next year is I want to encourage everybody to bring your Bible with you. I would love, while I'm preaching, just to hear pages turn in your Bible and bring a highlighter. What I would really like to do next year, and this is all starting next year, maybe you can think about it. Bring your Bible, bring a highlighter, and every scripture we share in, in worship, just highlight it. 
And let's just see how much of our Bible we cover next year. And if it's not enough, you challenge me on that. But I really want us just to start just getting more immersed into the Word of God. So what I want to do today with, with this one is giving uh, gifts that change lives. I want to talk about John's story of the birth. Now, when Matthew and Luke talk about the birth story, they really talk about how Jesus came into the world. Wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. And, and there was shepherds in the field. And they talk about how, but John doesn't do that. When John talks about the birth story, he doesn't talk about how Jesus came into the world. He talks about who came into the world. And listen to John. John's like, listen, I, I know I know a swaddling clothes in a manger and they were poor and they traveled and, and there was a star and there were shepherds and there were wise men and there were gifts. But do you know who came into our world on that cold night? John chapter 1, verse 1. In the beginning was the Word. And every time you see the, the word, Word, he's talking about Jesus. He's just calling him the Word, the Word of life. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God, and the Word was God. He existed in the beginning with God. God created everything through him, and nothing was created except through him. The Word gave life to everything that was created, and his life brought light to everyone. Let me tell you, John's like, look, I, I, I know he came in, 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 as a baby and, and, and lying in a manger, and, but God came into the world in the form of a baby. The creator of the universe, the light of the world, the word. The word is eternal. Word brings life. Word is everything. The word of life, the word of God, God's son, that's who came into the world. And then in verse 14, he said, so the word became flesh and made his home among us. And he was full of unfailing love and faithfulness. And so as John's just talking about Jesus, he's like, listen, how we came and tell the story. And and I think, oh, that's fun. But let me just remind you, God came into the world as a man, as a baby born and lived and grew up and pointed the way home. And we've had this fantastic gift to interact with. With the unfailing, unconditional love and grace of God that has changed our lives. Amen? And he calls him the Word. He said the Word. Now, I just wrote down three things. The w- words can, will do three things. Number one, words communicate information. I mean, if your child comes up to you and says, hey, I want a bicycle for Christmas. Right? I mean, that's just information. But you can act on that. I can do something about that. And so words can communicate and communicate information so that we know what's going on. You can read the newspaper. You can go online. You can see words communicate information. Number two, words can create or change relationships. Will you marry me? Wow, those are words that make a big difference. One day we're friends. The next day we're engaged. Next thing you know, we're life partners. We are. We're spouse. We're, will you marry him? Words change, change relationships. Sometimes for, most of the time, hopefully for the better. Sometimes for worse. 
But words change relationships. And then number three, words accomplish things if you have authority. So if you have the authority over something and you say, hey, I want that project complete by Friday. And you're the boss and people are under you. That your words will carry your boss when he spe- or she speaks. They speak with authority. And we will carry them out or suffer the consequences of, right? And so words can communicate information. Words changes relationships. And words with authority behind them you know, accomplishes great things. And that's, that's Jesus. Jesus is the word. He came to communicate who you are and whose you are and where you came from and where you're going and the God who loves you and eternal truths. You have it written down in scripture. Words can give you all all information that you need, but it's more than that. His words have changed your life. Father, forgive them. One day I will come and receive you to myself that where I am, there you will be also. I am yours and you are mine. You are the bride of Christ. And words changed our relationship. It changed our standing before God. His life, his gift, his words, his death, his burial, his resurrection changed everything for us. Because he had the power, he had the authority to speak over death and sin. And speak them into our life so that all we do is say yes And we respond with our words. I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. And it changes things. The gift of Jesus into our world changed everything. It's not John 3.16. Just one of the most powerful verses of Scripture. So simple. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son. That whoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. Not just words but powerful words that changed everything. And so we believe Jesus is the word and that his gift into the world changed our lives. Have you discovered that your life has been changed because of the gift of Jesus Christ? Because of what he did, because of what he said, because of how he lived and because of what he is doing for us and waiting for us in heaven and acting on our behalf every day. Through the Holy Spirit. Now maybe you know you're in here. Maybe you're just you're still seeking. You're just trying to figure it all out. And and, and so for for you, if you're just trying to figure out, is Jesus the Word of Life? Is He the 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 gift that can change my life? You know. Well, I, I I just so one question for if you're just seeking. One question for you: What are you looking for? What what are you looking for? Sometimes we don't even know what we're looking for. But I'm telling you, in Jesus is life. In Jesus is peace. In Jesus is joy. So if you're looking for joy, if you're looking for meaning, if you're looking for peace, if you're looking to have your life changed, it's found in Jesus. And so... What I want to say is, for us, a great gift changes lives. Now, I want to talk about more about, in, in two or three different ways now for the rest of the message, how that breaks down into what we do and who we are. So, number two, a great gift is when power meets need. 
A great gift is when power meets need. We can understand that, how Jesus and who he is and the authority and the Son of God came and met our need for victory over sin, over Satan, all that stuff. But what I want to go back to is this book of Isaiah. Isaiah chapter 9. In Isaiah, before we you know, read all of it, in Isaiah chapter 9, Isaiah was a prophet, a great prophet of God, and he lived 730 years before Jesus. And he prophesied that one day a Savior would come into the world. One day there would be someone who would rescue us. And he spoke about it and he predicted it. And only, and he said, here are a lot of things that will define who that is so that we'll recognize them when they come into the world. And only Jesus fit the bill. Only Jesus fulfilled all of those prophecies that were laid out, not just by Isaiah, but other prophets who spoke into this is how you'll recognize when the Savior comes into the world. And as we just read this scripture, look at the power behind this Messiah, this Savior who came into the world. For a child is born to us. A son is given to us. The government will rest on his shoulders. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. His government and its peace will never end. And he will rule with fairness and justice from the throne of his ancestor David for all eternity. What power behind that? And, and, and it's just the power of God. And, and it's all in Jesus Christ. And when you begin to look at it and you think, my goodness, who else could fit that bill? Who, who, I, there's no way I could fulfill that. There's no way you could fulfill that. Only one person could fulfill all of the prophecies that were spoken by all the great prophets. And come into our world, live a perfect life. Just and when, and when you go back and you read through all of them, and you begin to say, okay, what were all the prophecies that would describe who this Messiah would be? You begin to quickly find out that today, nobody's looking for a Messiah. And nobody could fit the bill. Because it was so specific that when we begin to look at it for today, we recognize, okay, we either accept and believe or we missed it. And Jesus came with great power. And so as we began to just think about what does that mean for us and, and power and living powerful lives. I, I believe most of the time we give our power away. So if I look at the dynamic of Jesus and his great gift and how he came with power and what that meant in the way that he changed our life. You know, these are huge promises that only he could fulfill. But for us, it's very different. See, for, for me, for, for most everybody in the world, we are replaceable, are we not? Now, I mean, I know we like to think that we're not. Boy, nobody could do at work what I'd do if I weren't there. Nothing would get done. All of us would love to believe that we're the most powerful person in our office and that we're irreplaceable. But for the vast majority of us, we're replaceable. I know I'm replaceable. I, you know, it's, and, and for most of us, I'm easily replaceable. We're probably something way better. We're just, we just are. Now, for a, small fra- for a small percentage of people in our world, they're irreplaceable. They're the only one who could do a certain thing. Man, there's only one or two people in our whole world who could figure out that math equation 
or who knows how to do that certain thing. Or, and, and so there, there is a small segment that's of people, and they're irreplaceable. But for the most of us, it's very different. And so I thought I would just ask this question, to whom am I irreplaceable? I, I, so I, I think I first want to struggle with that question. I want to ask, you know, to whom am I irreplaceable? I think, see, I'm going to be the only father my son and daughter will ever have, Right? To, to them, now, if something were to happen to me, my wife were to marry, somebody else could come in as a stepfather. But I'll be the only father they'll ever have. And only I can speak to them in language and in words and unconditional love as a father. Other people can fill in some gaps. And, but, but to them, you know, right, I'm, I'm irreplaceable. I got to thinking about this sermon and... Um, I had an event, you know, that happened almost a month ago. And from time to time, I'll go over and sit with Jackie and Shirley Hudson. Do y'all remember Jackie and Shirley Hudson? They would sit right over here. And then and then the, both of them have had some health struggles. And they're older. I think they've been married 67 years. It, it may be longer than that. But I believe 67 years they've been married. But their health is at a place to where uh, they can't get out and they can't really get around and it's a real struggle and, and she's confined in, in, uh, in where she's sitting and how she gets around. And so I'll go over and uh, sit on the front porch. Suzanne and I'll go over and we'll just sit on the front porch with them and uh, we'll just talk and laugh and reminisce most of the time. And I'll just listen. But I was really struck by this the other day. As we were just sitting and talking, he said, yeah, we, we can't really do anything but just sit here and enjoy each other's company. And we'll talk about our kids and we'll talk about our grandkids and we'll talk about places we wish we could go and things we used to do. And back when we had decent health, <laughs> and he said, and we'll live and we'll talk and then we'll get up and, and usually one of the children will come over and they'll help us get ready for bed he said, and he calls her mama, and I'll help mama get into bed. And then I'll go get on my side, and I'll scooch up next to her. Y'all know how to scooch? And I'll, and I'll scooch up next to her. And he started crying. He said, I'll just scooch over there next to her. And she'll just take her head, and she'll lay it on my shoulder. And we'll go to sleep. Now, you know, I say that to a bunch of young kids, and they think, that does not sound like fun to me at all. (laughs) But when you're our age, for some of us, and you find somebody who loves you no matter what all the days of your life and will sit on the front porch with you, and if all they can do is put their head on your shoulder as a way of saying, thank you for a life. Thank you. For being irreplaceable to me. What a gift. To whom are you irreplaceable? See, if we're not careful, I think we give 
our first and best to people to whom we're replaceable. And we give our excuses and our leftovers to those to whom we're not. Am I the only one that struggles with that? To where if we're not careful, we're giving our best to, at work and to people to whom we're re- completely replaceable. And we take for granted the people to whom we're not. What if this Christmas it was opposite? What if this Christmas it was different? What if this Christmas we first sat down and asked, to whom am I irreplaceable? And what am I going to do to run after them in a significant way to do what only I can do in their life? And, and not give away my, my power position, the importance of, of who I am. Number three, a great gift meets real needs. A great gift meets real needs. So it's not just the power, but it's, it's also the need. Now, in Matthew chapter 1, uh, you know, G- Matthew's talking about how Jesus came into the world and there were some real struggles. But I want you to look at the singleness of purpose that Jesus had. Matthew chapter 1, verse 18. And this is how Jesus the Messiah was born. His mother Mary was engaged to be married to Joseph, but before the marriage took place, while she was still a virgin, she became pregnant through the power of the Holy Spirit. Joseph, to whom she was engaged, was a righteous man, did not want to disgrace her publicly, so he decided to break the engagement quietly. Uh, in, in that time, there were rules there were that he could have embarrassed her. He could have, I mean, there were a lot of things legally that could have been done, and there would have been nothing she could do about it. He was a good man. What, so all Matthew's saying is, man, there were some real struggles. It wasn't easy. There were some real challenges. But as he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, Joseph, son of David. The angel said, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit, and she will have a son. Here's the sentence I want you to look at. She will have a son. You are to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. That's the reason his gift is into the world. That's what he's going to do with his life. The Messiah is going to come into the world, and he has one purpose. He has one job. He has one thing he's going to accomplish. He's going to save you from your sin. Now, what if Jesus would have decided that he'd, you know what? (laughs) I, I, I think I'd rather do something different. I mean, this carpentry thing, I think, could really pay out for me. I mean, I think I could really set up a good business. And, and, and because I know a lot, I, I know how to, I'm going to introduce technology. I know it's not supposed to come into the world until hundreds of years later, but I get it. Or this loaves and fishes thing. You know, I mean, I can just hold a basket up before God and pray, and I can feed 5,000 people with five loaves and two fishes. And everybody was like, wow, what in the world was that? We're going to follow this man forever. I kind of like that. I like the popularity thing. I think I'm just going to do this loaves and fish thing. By the way, if you read, in the, in, you know, five more chapters over in John chapter 6, the Bible said that all these people started following Jesus all because of the loaves and the fishes. They all saw him as their meal ticket. 
And the whole reason that that's in our Bible is because Jesus was, he was tempted. He was asked by the people to exchange why he came to earth and do something different. Oh, you know what? I have the power. I might as well just heal everybody I see and feed everybody. And that's what I'm going to do with my, but he didn't. The Bible says he walked away from him and they couldn't figure it out because he had one purpose. He had one thing he was supposed to do, save the people from their sin. And nothing, nobody ever took Jesus away from his purpose and his power. And so when I began to look at what is my purpose, what are the real needs of the people to whom I am irreplaceable? And what is it that I'm doing for them? See, anybody can buy my daughter a Barbie doll. But no one can speak into her life like her daddy can. I can remember when my daughter's favorite line out of a movie, it was the, the, that old 1970s movie, Grease. And several years in a row, she sent me this one quote from that movie. The only man a girl can trust is her daddy. To you, that, you know, but to me, that was everything. You see, guys, your wife can go and buy a book that she wants to read, but only you can tell her how much she has changed your life and how much she means to you. For some of us, only you can call your, you know, your brother who's been wanting to hear from his sister for months. Only you can wrestle on the floor, you know, with your kids. Tell them how much you love them. Only you can provide unconditional love and support for a best friend to whom they have no one else to turn. Maybe only you can speak eternal words of truth and life into people who are finding their life as a dead end. These are real needs in people. And, and I'm afraid, and I put this as a quote, that if we're not careful, we tend to give away our power and only meet superficial needs. An iPad touch is great. A bracelet on the arm is, I mean, it'll meet you, you know, the bling. It's a a throw blanket can keep you warm. Cash is fun, but there are eternal needs. God has called us to speak eternity into people and to turn them toward God, turn them toward heaven. But if we're not careful, it's way too easy just to give some money or just to give a gift and leave it there. And if we're not careful, and if that's all we do, we're giving away our power. And we're giving away our purpose in life. There are people all around us who need to know more. God, if you're a Christian, if you're a believer, if you've decided, I want to give my life to God, he has called you to do more, to give more gifts that matter, things that are eternal. And sometimes, I mean, it's just goofy things. It's, you know what I mean? I mean, it's just silly Things. Some of, there, Suzanne and I the other day, this happened just two days ago. And I was talking to my son because I drew his name. And so I said, hey, Bubba, dude, what do you want for Christmas? And he already had it all picked out. I want, he gave me the brand name, a backpack, 
that I can take with me to work. He works in the tech industry. He sells high-end security systems to businesses. And he said, I, want to, I need a backpack that I can put my laptop in, some paper, you know, some stuff, a few, a few gadgets if I'm going to show some stuff, a water bottle, sling it over my shoulder, and that's what I really want. And I said, okay, well, I can do that. And he said, I'll send you the picture, the color, the name, brand, and everything. <laughs> awesome. That's wonderful. He said, but you know what? All that stuff is good. But what I'm really looking forward to are the great things that you, you give and do that make Christmas fun. And I looked at Suzanne and I thought, what is he talking about? And so I just kind of sat there and Suzanne, we're sitting in the car and he's on speaker. And, and Suzanne said, like, like what? <laughs> I'm like, thank you, babe. And she said, you know how, you know, the dad does all these little things and he'll, he, he'll, and he recalled two or three different things that we did last year. Uh, we decided to have a cook-off to find out who's the better chef, who's the better grill master. Now, let me tell you, it's a joke in our family because my son is a fantastic grill master and I am horrible at it, right? And so... I bought him a little bitty grill master book that just, and I, and I, you know, just got a little book and I got it to him and I said, you're going to need this if you're going to beat me in this competition, you know, and he's like laughing. And so we picked out three different kind of meat, maybe four different kind of meats. And we had three or four different kind of cookers, an infrared cooker. And uh, anyway, we, and so all day long, he and I spent this time and we're just, you know, putting spices and we're, we're marinating and we're cooking just, and then we let the girls decide who's the better chef, which one came out the best, right? And for me, I'm just, we're going to be cooking food anyway. He's going to be doing most of it. I'm just trying to make it fun. But for him, He's like, man, you got me that little grill master book, and I had so much fun, and we did the cook-off, and it was awesome. And I had no idea. And he recalled two or three years of little things that we did just to make Christmas fun. And it really had nothing to do with money or spending money, but time. And I got to think, you know, there's going to be this day when I'm going to be gone, And they're going to be talking about, hey, remember when? And they're not going to be talking about the gift that I got or the bracelet or the money. They're going to be talking about the eternal things that we did that made relationships eternal. So what, 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 to whom, here you go, to whom are you irreplaceable? And what can you do in their life that will matter eternally? Now, go decide what kind of gift you're going to give. And then finally, a great gift will come at a cost. It always does. It takes time to wrestle on the floor with your children and to take your wife on date night, you know, and to go sit with a friend who's going through a problem and to speak into a Bible study or eternal truths to someone who's struggling with a a life that feels like it's more like a dead end. A gift... A great gift will come at a call, 2 Corinthians 8 9. You know the generous grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, so that by his poverty you could be made rich. It cost him his life, 
He gave everything so that you could have everything. And it's going to be the same way in our lives. And what I, don't want, what I want us to do this Christmas, this Christmas, is let's give more. Not just superficial gifts. But this Christmas, let's do something that makes a difference in people's lives. Taryn was up here and he was just talking about, we've got all these foster families who are coming up. All these abandoned, hurting, and wounded children. And they're just looking for somebody who will give them life. You can, you can make a real difference in their life. You may be the irreplaceable person in their life who can give them life. And, and so this Saturday, and by the way, on Wednesday night, when we had her all together Wednesday night, there were 24 families signed up. Today, as we stand here, there are 218 people who have, volunt- who have RSVP'd. There is a huge need in this community with people who are looking for life, love, and support. And we're jumping into the middle of it, and we're a little overwhelmed, and we need your help. And so if you have time Saturday, not more than that, I'm even asking you to make time. It'll be a sacrifice. But what you're going to do for these people may open up eternal doors to which we can speak into their life about Jesus. And this is what will happen. These families will bring these little children, and they'll come here. They'll walk into downstairs, and we're going to have breakfast for them. They'll eat breakfast, and then all the kids are going to go back into this area, and they're going to play games, and they're going to earn elf bucks. And so they'll go, you've earned five elf bucks. And they'll go, woo. And then when they get a certain amount, they're going to go to the store, and they're going to pick out a present for their parents. And we're not even going to wrap it for them. We're just going to help them wrap it. And then they're going to go, and they're going to give it to this family who's pouring into their life. Making a difference. And we'll tell them God bless you. And 218 times. Or whatever the number is going to be. So if you want to make a difference in someone's life. You want to do something small. Starting this Saturday. This week. This Christmas. Come join us. We could use your help. And we'll make a difference in the lives of a lot of people. And now. Let's repeat that as many times as we can. Over the holidays. And just. Those, these are gifts that matter. Do you want to join us in that? I want to pray with you. And as I pray, one of the people who are serving communion, if you'll go ahead and go to the back. And, uh, and let's just, let's just uh, serve communion. And this is a special time because it's just a very simple thing. This gift that Jesus left us is just a, a small little reminder of his gift, his life, his death, burial, and resurrection. And he said, every time you eat this, this bread... Every time you drink this juice, you're going to remember my gift to the world. And you're going to proclaim that you join me in this salvation to all the world. To get the good news out that life does not have to end in sorrow. It will end in eternal joy. Let's pray together. Lord God, all we want to do is reflect your glory. We want to give more of things that matter. We want to speak eternity into people's lives. We want to share with them what you have shared with us because it makes all the difference. We want to live with you eternally and we want to take as many people to heaven as we can. This Christmas, can we just reflect you and your glory? Can we reflect your sacrifice of love and its impact in the world? Thank you, Lord God, for what you have done for us. 
And now as we eat and drink in celebration of you, we just simply say, thank you, Lord Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen.